Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Trail Culture. I'm your host, Em Robertson, and I'm so stoked that you're tuning in. Today, we're going to be catching up with Stefan May as he talks to us a little bit about calling Cape Town. So this challenge is taking place at the beginning of March, and athletes are going to do the 8K Robin Island Swim, followed by the 109K Cape Town Cycle Tour, and then straight into the Three Peaks Mountain Challenge, which is roughly 50Ks with 3,000 meters of elevation gain. So this event certainly isn't for the faint-hearted and it's all happening to raise funds for Calling Education, which is an organization that has set out to provide top quality education to low-income learners in South Africa. So really, sport for a cause, um, this is the heart of what Trail Culture is all about and really excited to share this episode with you. I hope you enjoy Great stuff, guys. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Trail Culture. Uh, this week is going to look a little bit different. Um, we're not catching up necessarily with one of the, the pro trail athletes or an event organizer, but we are going to be chatting to Stefan May, um, who's involved at Calling Academy and with the Calling Cape Town Challenge, which is a next level adventure for those of you who don't know. Um, and yeah, this is really, we were just having a chat now, kind of the heart of what trail culture is about. How can we use the sport and the space to, to kind of, yeah, be a platform to help others. And, uh, yeah, the calling education, um, is really a cool project. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes for you guys to check it out. But yeah, a cause like this is really just something I'm, I'm excited about. So yeah, I had the privilege of, um, of meeting, you, you and your team, I think last year at an info session and yeah, it very quickly became apparent. I was like, we need to get you guys on here to talk about calling. So yeah, welcome. It's really good to have you. Thanks, Sam. It's a privilege being here. Awesome. And so the whole thing, calling education, the the kind of main thing that you guys are wanting to address. address. So calling is actually a school just outside of Stellenbosch. Yes. Uh, and the, the main thing you guys are looking at is addressing kind of providing quality education to the majority of children in South Africa, which is a problem. Um, a lot of people don't have access to, to schooling um, and, and then on top of that, like a, a high level of, of education. So when, I mean, give us a bit of a background. How did you get involved? When was calling started? Yeah, tell us a bit about the school. Yeah, perfect. Um, so you're right, Calling Academy is a school just outside of Stellenbosch. They have another campus that they recently launched, I think it was last year, in Kronstadt. Awesome. Um, with plans to, to plant more schools. Um, but how I got involved was the CEO and the, the then principal of Calling Academy in Stellenbosch, Werner Klutter. He was my science teacher at school. No way. Yeah, so uh, I, was, I was one of his boys... Um, when was it? I, I matriculated in 2008 and he was a science teacher at Paul Ruiz here in Stellenbosch. And uh, I mean, Van is just one of those brilliant uh, human beings. Yeah. I think he was uh, he was uh, one of the top learners in his class. He was head boy of Paul Ruiz as well. Um, really could have done anything with his life, um, but felt a calling to go into education and make a difference. Um, so I think he made a bold move uh, before 2018, where he had a vision to to address one of our biggest challenges, which is providing you know top quality education to to 
learners from low income households. So, I mean, someone like myself and probably most of your listeners, uh, we've, we all had the privilege of going to re top, top quality, um, even public schools like in Stellenbosch, we've got such a selection of, of top quality schools, but if you're coming from a low income background, you just don't have those options. We've got so yeah. many dysfunctional, your options are basically to go to a dysfunctional school in your area. And um, so Vanna and a, and a couple of his colleagues, he then, they then made the bold move and, and started calling Academy in Stellenbosch in 2018 with a group of grade eights. Wow. And their first uh, group of matriculants, uh, they matriculated, I think it was last year or the year before. So it's a relatively new school, but the impact that they're making and the stories that are coming out of the schools are just uh, incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe just to to give some shed some light on, on how I ended up getting involved. So I obviously knew Vanna from school. It's been a lot of years uh, since... Um, yeah, since I've been out of school, but we now live in the same estate, also in Stellenbosch. Oh, cool. And he came to me and he said, uh, it was about two or three years ago, and he said, Stefan, I know you working in corporate. You know they're busy fundraising for their um, for a new building that they're doing at their at their Stellenbosch campus. Can I help? Yeah. Um, and I just you know anyway, it was a it was a long meeting, and I and I just didn't I didn't really know what to do or how to help or um, and that evening I just. I went to bed in the meeting. I told Vanna, listen, I don't, I don't really know how I can help. There's not really anything that I can do. Um, but that night I, I, I couldn't, I literally couldn't fall asleep. And wow. I just thought, but how, you know, they're doing s such an incredible work and I've seen what they've been doing, uh, in these kids lives that the, the stories that, that come out of, of these kids that are really, if it wasn't for the school, they would, they would most likely be out on the streets or, you know, get involved in, you know, these are the kids' stories themselves, Yeah. you know. And um, that night I couldn't fall asleep and I thought, but surely there must be something that I can do. And um, uh, long story short, that's where the, I thought of the event. I thought, well, you know, I'm passionate about the outdoors. Um, uh, like I love running, cycling, swimming and doing extreme things. Yeah. Um, and and that night I thought, well, what if I swam from, did the Robben Island crossing and did the Cape Town cycle tour and did the three peaks? I wonder if anyone's done that all on one day. Yeah. Uh, is it possible? But maybe I should take that on and, and ask people to to donate to the school if I was able to to do all those three things in 24 hours. Yeah, so that's, that's wild. Yeah, that's where it started. Did you, I mean, so sport was obviously a, a big part of your, your life and kind of where, was there a reason why you wanted to use sport as the vehicle or was it just like this is your your passion project and and you feel like you can get people involved yeah I've I've always been um I've always been passionate about sport I, I yeah I used to swim at school that was yeah. my main sport but uh I was never actually into triathlon um so I, I used to swim and then before our first son was born my wife said you've always been threatening to do uh, like a triathlon and I'd, I'd always seen the guys do Xterra and Krabo yes. and um, I thought yo that would be amazing if I could do that I never used to cycle uh, also didn't run much but but got into trail running that year I signed up to do the UTCT nice. uh, 65 kilometer uh, 
in that year, but uh, before that I'd never run more than like 21 Ks. So, um, so I signed up, uh, to do the Xterra, uh, when my son was born and that kind of, oh, I loved it. I, awesome. I, I had three weeks to get fit and <laughs> I trained myself silly, um, uh, by some miracle didn't get injured yeah. or, or, or get sick and I, I really enjoyed it and that's kind of where the bug bit uh, you know the outdoor triathlon bug bit so I think that's where the where the thought come from thought came from to do the triathlon and then the the, the idea to link it to a fundraising effort was actually one of my colleagues at work she had done a um a, a marathon uh, the London marathon a couple yes. of years before and, and her concept was also, I think she said, you know, for every second that she goes under three hours for the London Marathon, how much would you donate to XYZ Charity? Wow. So it was actually her, uh, her story and her initiative that she took a while back that sparked this idea to say, well, you know, I definitely can't do a sub three hour marathon, but, but yeah. you know, what could I do to, to, to get to rally people along to, to support something that I'm passionate about and that I think could, could really make a difference. And Stefan, from when you had kind of this idea to when it started to come together, what did that timeline look like? And also, what did Wagner say when you went back to him with this cool concept? I, I first actually had to go to my wife. Yes, uh, she very, was the first important. hurdle. Uh, <laughs> so I thought I couldn't fall asleep. And then I woke up the next morning and I, I told my wife, I said, listen, um, I've got this crazy idea. Uh, what do you think? And I knew she's, she's usually the more pragmatic, practical one. Um, so I, I thought if, if I could get her over the line, then we're good to go. Yeah. Um, so I, I shared the vision with her and, and why I wanted to do it. And uh, she's, yeah, she, she stayed quiet for a while. And she, her first reaction was, why on earth would you want to go through so much, <laughs> through such a mission? Yeah. Aren't there other ways? And um, anyway, so then she, uh, she, she yeah she she was she got excited with me uh, which was i think was a uh, skeptical but excited yeah um what was the first hurdle and then uh what vanna uh, yeah he was just the more the merrier so oh, he was great. he was excited he I, I think in the beginning everyone was skeptical including my wife and family everyone was trying to get me to to do it um yeah, saying like, is it necessary? Do you have to do all three on one day? Is it even possible? Yeah. So a lot of people were, uh, so, so to get people thinking that it is actually possible and especially for, I mean, I'm not an athlete, like I'm a dad of three at that, at that stage, I was a dad of two. Yeah. You, you don't, um, you wouldn't expect someone or, or, or anyone that's not a professional athlete to take on a challenge like that. So that, that was the thinking. Um, and the, so, so the, the real heart behind it was also to find something where we could tell a story. Um, so calling education, they were, they're doing such incredible work, but um, it's really difficult for these NGOs to tell their stories and to, to go out there and, and, and show people what they're doing. Yeah. And, and the heart behind the challenge was really to say, well, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's fun and exciting. And it's like, it's something that I want to do and that I'm passionate about just in my personal life. But, um, isn't the opportunity really lies in the ability to tell a, or to share, not tell, to share a really compelling story, because I believe that if, if people can just see what the school is getting right, uh, yeah. in a really difficult 
circumstances we can get in, we can get more people to rally behind it and support it yeah um so the the event is really just um it, it's exactly that it's a it's a platform to tell the school story and to to um so the first hurdle was to get guys to film the or, or to to capture the story of the event and the school together yeah so from the beginning it was more about uh, being able to 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 tell the story so I got in touch with Kristan uh, now Dr. Kristan Barnard <laughs> and, and Diewald his uh, his his colleague um, and I basically told them listen uh, this is the crazy idea we want to do all these three events in one day to tell the story of the school the whole vision is is um, is dependent on someone filming and and being able to tell the story i'm not a good storyteller but i know that that's kind of the the heart the key behind the success of this thing is is whether we'll be able to tell the story properly yeah and um kristan i remember on that first phone call he he had no idea who i was uh I, i i got in touch with him via via his name was in a hat and and he said uh i'll never forget it at the end of the call um, I asked him, so basically, Kristen, what I need is I need a unicorn, someone that has a lot of time, <laughs> that's not going to get paid anything, yeah. but that wants to like spend a lot of time filming this thing. Uh, and I know you don't know me, but that's kind of the vision. And he, he, he stayed, he, he was quiet for a little bit on the other side of the phone. He thought, he said, um, you know what, I, I, I won't be able to be your, oh, no, wait, he said, I won't be. I can't be your unicorn, um, but I think Diervolt and I together we can be your unicorn, <laughs> and that's kind of where it started. So, so once I had him on board, then it was um, my wife also very quickly told me, "Listen, Stefan, this is not about you. It's not about you being the first person doing anything. So make sure to, um, yeah, to not build this thing. This is not your story. This is calling story, and I think that sure. was also a key pivotal moment in 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 the whole thing." Uh, because then I realized, oh, she's so right. It was so tempting to, you know, want to take the shine and, and kind of be the main part of the story and, you know, oh, wow, Stefan's such a legend. Look at, look at what he's doing. So, so that was a, that was an important shift for me to, to really just intentionally take the limelight off of my participation. Then the mission was to get other guys to do it with me. So I think that was the next key was I had Kristen and Devo that were willing to film, but then I needed a couple of crazy guys that also <laughs> you know, were keen to, to, to take on the challenge. Yeah. Um, and that's where we, we ended up with, a, I, I think we were a group of seven or eight guys uh, in the first year, two years ago. Okay. That then decided to do it, which, which turned out to be really good because I, I ended up not being able to do that first challenge because Jeez. I got COVID just before the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, so I still haven't done the challenge. Everyone's <laughs> <laughs> like, guys, here's this thing, come and do it. And then he's like, is it possible? I will let you know uh, <laughs> at the end of this. But um, that's so cool. So seven or eight guys. And I mean, in that first year, I know that was that was devastating for you. I think I remember seeing a video mm-hmm. of you um, making the call, like, listen, you're not you're not going to do this, and you've spent time and built up this thing, and then you you kind of have to watch from the sidelines. But how that first year, like, how did it go? Oh man, that first year was chaos. Um, it was so. Firstly, you had you had to try because even though we were seven people initially, I thought that you know we can just go 
pick a random day or or not pick a random day, but we could just go do it. But then yeah. uh, someone that that knew more about these kind of things said, no, you actually need to like register an event and get permits and. Uh, so, so just the regulatory hurdles to to get permission yeah. to swim from Robin Island before dark, um, then join the cycle tour and then do the three peaks, and you need to get all these permits from sand parks and yes. And um, I was just thinking, this is not what I signed up for. Or so, so that first year was really um, tough in that sense, uh, and also I think the hardest part is getting it's, it's getting those initial guys those um getting that initial momentum is difficult when you when you when there's nothing so yeah. nobody's done it before or or at, at that point i mean I, I think people have definitely done more extreme things and 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 but at that point i wasn't aware of anyone else that had done it and other people were also like quite skeptical and especially the guys uh, handing out the permits we had to like give a detailed breakdown of our <laughs> fitness levels and have we done something like this before and in my case the answer was mostly no yes yes <laughs> but we but you're like i can um, i think yeah yeah so uh, and we didn't have anywhere to do our change over so we were like on the actual day we were in someone's back garden and then we had to like keep quiet at two o'clock in the morning when the guys were finishing. Oh my word. So we, uh, anyway, so it was, it was chaos and a little bit of a spook and pluck, uh, yes. like they say here in, in South Africa. Um, but yeah, it, uh, yeah, it was not being, uh, finding out that I had COVID just before was, was a little bit of a blow. And then it was, almost such a justification for my wife's um, warning not to make this thing about myself, which yeah. was, uh, in retrospect, it was obviously difficult to handle at the time, but but when it happened, I was so grateful that there were seven other guys, you know, that could go on and that it, it wasn't just going to fail because I got COVID. Yeah. Um, so, so, so being there on the day, able to support, so I, I mean, I wasn't, didn't, wasn't sick, I didn't feel... I was just, I just couldn't compete. Yeah. So I, little, I put my little mask on and I thought <laughs> I'm still going to be there on the sidelines supporting. Yeah. Turned out it was really necessary because the weather on that first day was crazy and the safety officers were, were coming to me the whole time saying, listen, Stefan, we have to cancel the event. The, the guys are, the, uh, they at that point, they'd done the swim, which was a miracle in itself because the the weather conditions were hectic. If you see yes. some of the footage, there's waves that they're swimming uh, through. One, uh, <laughs> one of the guys, uh, Raul, uh, he's the current principal of the the school in Stellenbosch. I mean, he threw up after the swim just because of the the choppiness of, yeah, of it was really like that. The swim was hectic. They'd just done the cycle tour that year. It was the wettest cycle tour I think in the history of the Cape Town cycle <laughs> yeah. tour. And then on the hike, they'd just done Devil's Peak and they were on their way up to Table Mountain and the safety officer said, listen, the foghorn's just gone off. We, we have to cancel the event. And I said, no, you like, we're so close. We, yeah. You can't cancel yeah, yeah. the event. And we literally, a, a couple of us just huddled around and prayed and we were just like, God, this can't be. We, the, we can't cancel it's it. It's too close. It's yeah. too close. Yeah. Um, and if I was obviously doing the event, we wouldn't have been able to have the conversations with the safety officers and they yes. probably would have just called it. So I, yeah. I told them, I said, listen, just wait, just give it, give it another 
20 minutes and we can see if the weather if the weather turns and they said no the foghorn has gone off yeah so i said go check make sure that the that it was the foghorn are you sure it was the foghorn and they said oh, okay we'll go check yeah turns out they were unsure about whether it was the foghorn what? or not That's crazy. and the weather ended up like like it does in cape town it just turned like turned and uh, 12 o'clock one o'clock that evening it was like clear skies not a wind oh, no, not, no rain no fog yeah uh, and the guys were able to finish um so i mean just being being part of it even though i was on the sidelines yeah like yeah it felt um yeah it was ah oh, it's crazy just thinking about it again and were you kind of involved in in letting the kids know like listen there's going to be this this epic challenge this is in an effort to raise funds for the school um i mean what did the boys think we had we had the privilege of meeting some of them at the calling info evening and i just thought these guys are great like yeah. their stories and their involvement is awesome yeah so i mean so mpilo uh, was was one of the so mpilo was is calling academy stellenbosch's first head boy uh, inspirational story, just his own story as well, his where he came from and and how he became head boy. But he actually participated as a matric boy. He didn't do the the swim with us in year one, uh, but he did the cycle and he did the run with us. So just having someone from the school, yeah, uh, doing it with. Oh no no, he didn't do the cycle. Sorry, he he only did the run with us. I mean, you mean a, a matric guy doing the three peaks, almost yeah. fifty kilometers. 3,000 meters, 3, meters elevation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like just a huge legend. Um, so having him there, we had we got some of the guys from the school that were passionate about photography and filmmaking join Kristan and, and Diervolt and the crew to help film. Epic. So, so those kind of uh, interactions just... Yeah, just from the beginning, having having the boys from the school part of that process... Uh, just makes it so much more real to see the opportunities that we're able to create for the kids. They're exposed to, yeah. you know, guys working in the field. They're exposed to things that they'd otherwise never be exposed to. Um, and then, as for the boys in the school, I don't, I don't actually know. But uh, I think I did a talk at the school once, and they were all pretty like, "Wow, that sounds nuts." <laughs> 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 generally very grateful yeah they're like all these these random people yeah. coming together to to raise funds that's that's amazing but um when i mean one of the things was you weren't sure if it was possible to do all of this in one day so i think everything comes to like 208 k's 24 hours mm. like that's crazy and i mean one of those things i think the, the i looked at it and i was like I, I, if there wasn't the swim, I would be like, I feel like this is manageable. But yeah. an 8K ocean swim, I mean, yeah, as we said, most of these things are kind of done standalone. Mm. I know that the swim, or well, all three are actually their own like races or events. But um, on that first event, were you like holding thumbs like, shucks, can't, is it actually possible? Like, was there a moment where you were like, flip, are the guys going to do it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I actually had no doubt that it would be possible. Um, that's why I was like, just with all the, with, with, with all the, what do you call it? Um, in the beginning, all the doubt that was thrown, I was just like, no, this is definitely possible. Like, I know that it's possible. <laughs> yeah. 
I think that the more tricky thing was was the swim is the biggest challenge and I think the biggest barrier for everyone. Because it's not that the that the swim is impossible, it's just that if you pick a date, which we did, we said we're going to do it on the same day as the cycle tour yeah. because we don't want to organize our own cycle tour. Let's just piggyback off of the Cape Town cycle tour. You're part of the biggest you know, uh, cycling race in the world. Yeah. How cool is that? Um, so, But to pick a date for the Robben Island crossing is yeah, the biggest risk. Yeah. Um, so for me, that was my biggest worry was, was that uh, usually how they do the Robin Island crossings is they'll take a window of say two weeks and then every day, literally they'll monitor the, the, the current and the wind and the whatever to see when is it suitable to swim. But yeah. here, what we're saying is we're going to start swimming at <laughs> half past five or five o'clock on the whatever date of March, regardless, um, of, regardless the of the conditions. So I think, I think there's always going to be a 50, 50 chance. We safety is obviously top priority. So we've, we, we have to, we, we do by choice, uh, and because we have to comply with all the safety requirements, we've got medics and we've, if the conditions are too rough, we will call the swim. Yeah. So, so that was my main concern. So, so when, when they finished, when they finished the, the ray, the swim on the, on the day, I was yeah. like, okay, we're in there. It's happening. And, um, yeah. And I think, uh, Nardis, uh, who's done the, who's done the event twice. He was, he was one of the first guys and, and he did it last year. He, uh, I think he, he summarized it quite well. He said that the reason that this event is so much tougher than, an Ironman or, you know, like similar type triathlon distances that people like to compare to is that the swim is just much longer and it's the conditions are rough. The water is freezing cold. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the cycle is actually your opportunity to rest. So if you, if you think about the fact that your cycle is actually your opportunity to rest, um, which compared to other events, like the yeah. cycling is the main, like it's, it's not mentally, you're not going in, I'm going to cycle 109 kilometers or I'm going to go do the Cape Town cycle tour as my recovery ride. Yeah, type that's of wild. Thing. Um, so it's almost like double doubling up on the swim, doubling up on the run. I think the thing that gets a lot of, um, guys that are used to normal triathlons, which are flat routes, um, so if you're doing 42 kilometers on the road, it's very different to doing yeah. 42 or, or close to 50 kilometers in the mountains with, with, so any trail runner will know that, that, you know, the amount of time on your legs and the impact on your legs is completely different when you're climbing yeah. for most of the time. And, um, so I think just those, just looking at the run and the swim, uh, just, elevates the toughness of the event yeah by i don't know i won't give a factor to it <laughs> um and then uh, i mean we've got a lot of questions we uh, some people asked like why don't you make the the cycle longer uh, so that it's you know commensurate with how tough the swim and the run is and we've considered it i don't think we'll never um change the event necessarily yeah. or the makeup but at, at this stage um, it's just awesome being part of this, the cycle yeah, tour it's so cool. and the logistics are, to be honest, the logistics behind like trying to fit in with, well, we can't change the cycle tour. So we've got to fit the swim and the run in around yeah. whatever the, the cycle tours logistics are. Um, and, and I think just that, that element of being part of thousands of people doing the cycle tour while yeah. you, while you're doing this bigger challenge, I think is quite cool. 
Um, yeah. I think if you like, I've wondered if you pass somebody like, who's also doing the cycle tour and then they're, they're like, yeah, oh, what are you doing? Or where are you? And then you're like, I just swam eight Ks and I'm doing this. People will be like, you are crazy. That's literally, that's, <laughs> I think, I think the Cape Town cycle tour actually had one of our athletes. They did. They, Christoph, uh, was interviewed by them and I think they put it on their Instagram page. People yeah. were just like, what? You've just like done the Robin Island crossing this yeah. morning and this weather. And it's, they just, people, it just breaks people's brains. Yeah. And Crystal <laughs> knowing him, he would have been like, yeah, like yeah, super chill. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. And, um, Stefan, like biggest challenge, uh, to, to putting this whole thing on so far, like what would you say has been, been quite tough or unexpected? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm usually quite a, um, an optimist so from the beginning I was like no man it's gonna work like what it's it's going to work so I think just there's so many hurdles along the journey from you know idea inception to actually pulling it off I think managing with my own ups and downs like one day I'll get super excited and be like this is gonna be the best thing ever and then the next morning I wake up and I think this is the stupidest idea. Like this is just, it's so, so just, I think wrestling with that self doubt that does creep in, even though I'm super optimistic and most days I would be, uh, you know, convinced that it is going to work. And then you get those days where the, I mean, for example, our application to register the event was rejected like three or four times and to eventually get it. I mean, I won't, to take you through all the hassle that we had to go through to actually get it signed off at the end but it was like there were some some hurdles and obstacles where I thought okay it's just like a week before the the first event we sure. didn't have approval so then oh I was wrestling gosh. am I just gonna are we gonna do it without approval or are we gonna yeah. and then by some miracle we um I think you know, literally a miracle we did get um approval in the week before the event um and then also like in the beginning you get i'm excited about the event like i'm i'm struggling to sleep i can see the potential but i can't do it alone i i can't um yeah it's it's it this it's a team effort so if people don't buy in with you and in the in the beginning it was almost like you have people that are excited and then uh, and then as soon as sort of rubber hits the road, you can see, okay, well, yeah. like they're not as excited as I am. And then, and then you, you struggle to get just the ball rolling in the beginning. So I think that for me was, was the biggest challenge is just wrestling those internal demons in a sense, those doubt yeah. demons. And then also, um, just maintaining that momentum or getting the people that, that, yeah, that have bought into the vision to yeah. actually go follow into through, action yeah. and follow through. Now, now I'm str- now people are like phoning us saying like, how can we help? And like we hear, you know, now it's like now it's rolling. Now yeah. it's easy. So I think just getting the thing moving in the beginning yeah. was a was a massive challenge. And and now now that people can see it, oh, it's possible. And wow, it's actually cool. And it's yes. is this community and like. Now it's now it feels like it's it's almost rolling on its own. There's still a lot of admin and effort that that goes into it. Um, I was saying earlier that like this week still because you know we we jumped from seven athletes last year. Now we've got close to seventy athletes yeah, wanting to do it crazy. this year. Uh, the admin that comes with that and the responsibility and the amount of athlete. Um, 
questions and yeah. <laughs> understandable. Yeah. But in the beginning, we were kind of like winging it. Yes. Um, and now it's like a proper event and we've got 70 people kind of waiting for information. And I've got a full-time job and three kids and I'm needing to like send out uh, documents. Just, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So the admin, now now the challenges are different, but they're good challenges. And I think it's like anything that starts, it's... Um, Pressure is a privilege. I, um, yeah, that's <laughs> I heard cool. someone say recently. <laughs> and and are you fitting training into that as well, Stephen? No. Are you are you <laughs> gonna do the challenge? Are you? <laughs> no. So I mean, I th- I think that was also kind of freeing in the beginning. At the year one, firstly, we only had I have three boys, so they are turning so five five years old, three years old, one years old, turning six four and two this year wow. when we when we started the event we only had two boys yeah so I felt like I could manage the organization or putting it together and exercising it takes a massive toll on my family as well if I'm training like the amount of training that needs to go into it yeah, is a lot. crazy um so realizing you're two and now you're three that you know the event is really about the school and the impact that it's making to the families and the children, you know, from the schools. Uh, I don't need to do the event anymore. There are enough other people that want to do it. <laughs> yeah. My family can't afford me being out in the mountains all day yeah. at this stage. Now, uh, since the first one, our third son was born. So that kind of, yeah, it just feels like my time is a whole lot less. Yeah. Things at work have also gotten a little bit hectic. So I'm more focused on just organizing the event now i am doing the swim though nice, um, nice. so i've uh, my me and my brother-in-law and reyno who also did the event in year one he did the full one he's going to do the cycle for us this year so yeah i have a little bit of fomo especially on the training days i'm like oh surely i you know <laughs> I, can, I, I can work, this I can out, work yeah. it out and figure out how to so Calling Cape Town Challenge is on my bucket list still. Okay, nice. When the boys are a bit older. <laughs> maybe, maybe when they're can... older and they, they can do it with me maybe yeah. one day. Yeah, no, that's so, so cool. It's, it's, uh, I wish I could tell you this is what it's like to do the whole event. But um, You'll get there. I know what it's like putting it together. Yeah, and that's, that's enough of a, a hurdle. And um, Stefan, I know, I mean, fundraising for Calling Education is obviously, this is where this whole thing mm. came from. And I think Varna mentioned like, what gets raised from this event is kind of what what takes calling education uh, or calling academy like uh, forward another year mm-hmm. so like the guys plan um for like only one one year out and they do all of their budgeting and things based on the prediction from this event and for anyone who's like in the financial world you'll be like that's not a good idea like you you should only budget with what you have in your hand and anyway I remember him like sharing this info and he's like they've never kind of like they've had months where it's like are we going to make it and then something like miraculously something happens and it's like yeah cool we threw and anyway I was just thinking that's that's incredible but um, what is like talk to us about the target for fundraising this mm. year I see there's a cool thing on the website that shows um, kind of how far along the fundraising is going and where where is all of the kind of donations going to go for for calling yeah perfect so so our, our initial target when we started two years ago was we wanted to raise four million rand for the school at that stage it was linked to a building project that they had 
and um, we thought, well, let's you know, let's aim for the stars in a sense. And if we hit the moon, then then that's great. So yeah. I think we did hit the moon year one. We we managed to raise uh, seven hundred thousand rand for the school. Wow! Just between the the seven or eight of us, which I think was a really good good effort. Um, so we're still aiming for four million rand uh, for the school as our stars. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, and basically what the school will use it for is they it's not only for the existing operations, but they have the 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 they want to make as wide an impact as possible. So they're looking at more campuses. Yeah. Um they're looking at Im- upgrading and improving their existing facilities. I mean they it's a it's I, I won't go into the details of their funding model, but but um but it's a really innovative funding model that makes top class education accessible to low income learners but it is still dependent on a small donations a relatively small donations base yeah i think it's oh I'm, I'm not going to get the numbers right but if you do the maths it's something like uh, what was it like 800 rand per learner or something yeah uh, for the year for You'll have to you'll have Vanna. to get Vanna yeah. on and and go check on the website. Um, uh, but it's it's like it's not a lot of money yeah. that you need per learner to make the model work. Um, so so through our fundraising efforts, we are just wanting to make it possible for as many kids as possible. Um, a small amount goes a long way. I yeah. think the the whole the whole heart behind the challenge was was also to say, well, you know. I, I can't give a hundred thousand or I can't give 10,000 or I can't, you know, whatever. There's a lot of things that we can't do, but what, what can I do? Yeah. I, at that stage, I could run and swim and cycle and, and give the little bit that I had and tell the story. That's what I could do. And I think the, the purpose behind telling the story is to say, you know, we can all do something. We all see this education challenge staring us in the face um, and think, you know, someone's got to do something, but yeah. that someone can be you and you can't fix the whole thing, but the little bit that you can will contribute. So yeah. like, I'm, I'm not running a school. I don't have much to do with the kids at all on a day-to-day basis, besides yeah. for the couple of guys that join on the event and, and that I've met through putting the event together. But Vanna and the teachers at Calling and, and whichever schools those are the people making a massive difference in people's lives, but not everyone can do that. But what I can do is I can help tell the story. I can yeah. start this event and everybody's contribution will differ. But I think it's just changing that mindset from a, you know, this is someone else's problem to yeah. like, this is our problem and we can all contribute in some small way. Some, so, I mean, some people in that first, um, first year, like we had, individuals giving 100,000, 200,000 rand yeah. right down to people giving, you know, 1,000 rand or yeah. 500 rand. And it's not that, obviously the 200,000 rand makes a big difference, but not everyone has 200,000 rand that they can just give. Yeah. But don't not give your 500 rand just because you feel like it, yeah, it's, it's not like, gonna make it's a like voting, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's like if you, oh, I'm not going to vote because it's not going to make a difference. But if everyone just decides not to vote, then it, it's a big problem. It's an issue, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so that's kind of what we're trying to achieve is, is to say, well, let's create a platform um, where everyone can give to the school to help them do what they're doing. 
the event is being run. So, I mean, it's not a separate company. It's it's literally, we are just running the event on behalf of the school. So yeah. all the funds go directly to the school. Um, uh, we're aiming to cover, we're not there yet, but we, we're aiming to cover just all the, these events cost money yeah. to run the permits and the medics and the boats. For I mean, it, it, it costs something. Um, so we're aiming to get in time all of that funded through sponsors so that every cent that comes into the school really does go to straight back to the school, straight yeah. back to the school and to what they're doing. Uh, in all transparency, some of it is being used to to subsidize the costs of the actual event. Yeah. Um, but the the yeah, it's all being run under the school. There's no profit anywhere center yeah, no one's getting a salary nobody's getting this, a salary yeah. it's uh it's it's the running the running costs uh, so we are paying for some people's time yeah that you know need to spend of their working hours um like organizing the event but it's not it's the school paying those people to fulfill certain tasks so it's those those running costs that um yeah that need to be covered well, how did we get there? But anyway, that's... <laughs> <laughs> cool. I, yeah, the the fundraising thing, I think, uh, in the info session that we had, and I said this to you earlier, and it's, it's stuck with me so much, but this whole thing is about telling a story, mm. and you never know who is listening. Um, I think whether it's the podcast, whether it's sharing something on Instagram, whether it's being halfway through the cycle tour and somebody asking you, what the heck are you guys up to? Um, and... Yeah, I think that's just my kind of encouragement. I'm going to pop all the the kind of relevant information in the show notes for if you want to make a donation. Obviously, that that is um, a goal. But like, yeah, do use what you've got in your hand. If it's time, if it's your fitness, if it's your network of people. So, yeah, you might not have that 200,000, but maybe somebody that you know or has heard the story does. Um, yeah, I just love that like a ripple effect mm. thing. It's really inspiring. Yeah. 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 Um, and Stefan, I mean, the challenge you mentioned or you joked, like maybe your boys will do it with you one day, but is it here to stay? Like, do you feel like this is the first or third of many years of, of this? I, I think so. I sincerely hope so. Um, I mean, the, the, the goal at the beginning was to make it something that, that is sustainable. Um, so, I mean, anything can happen, but the intention yeah. is certainly for it to stay. Um, I, I think it has a lot of potential. I mean, it's, yeah. you're doing three of the most iconic challenges in the world, I think, you know, uh, and and then you're doing them all on one day and you are doing it for an incredible cause. I mean, it, yeah. it, it feels like it has the stickiness to stay. Yes. Um, for as long as I'm living, I will be involved and yeah. and and uh yeah see, seeing that it goes that it achieves what you know what we believe it could so awesome i i'm excited to hear kind of the the after story um luckily the the guys we mentioned Kristan and, and diavolt are doing a fantastic job of documenting pretty much everything so yeah if you guys want to follow calling um calling cape town on on social media you'll yeah. you'll get kind of some live updates on the day I'm sure and yeah I'm excited to see the fundraising progress what happens with the school where it goes what what gets done um and yeah this is just something I'm I'm so stoked about I think I heard about um calling academy 
I can't remember one of my friends got a job as a teacher there and it totally changed his life and like so it's been like in the background and then this challenge came up and yeah so you can hear it's just I'm I'm like no, stoked that's awesome. um, no, no, that's, but that's exciting yeah Stefan thanks for your for, t- for your time thanks for sharing this with us and I'm so glad that you kind of took Vadna up and ran with something like you had this idea and you were like let's see where it can go and now from seven athletes to 70 I think you can be quite proud of of what's been going going on thanks Em thanks yeah it's uh it's been an awesome journey and it continues I'm I'm excited and thanks yeah thanks for your time and for coming alongside I think that's that's what it's about is to see you know um like you said you've got this you've got this platform and and that's what you're bringing to the table and that's incredible so so thank you I think I think that's that's what's going to make the difference at the end of the day is that everyone has their own unique gift that they can bring to the table. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be one like superhuman hero that's going to save the day. Yeah. It's just it's not going to happen. Yeah. The team the teamwork thing. I like that Christian's thing about two of them are what of the unicorn. I'm like yes. this whole crew. It's going to be this like yeah. magical thing that happens. Yeah. yeah. Cool. But um, we will catch up with you again probably after the after the facts after the event. And um, yeah, thanks so much again for joining us. Thank you, Em. There you have it, everyone. Stefan May talking to us about what Calling Cape Town is, how you can get involved. And I hope that this has inspired a few of you to train and get stuck in with the event next year. And as I mentioned, I'm going to put all the info in the show notes for any donations to the school but it goes beyond kind of monetary donations if you have a skill time you know you just want to get get involved this is really a a great cause and and something that that's close to home so yeah i hope you guys enjoyed the episode and i will see you all next week for our next one